What's up? What's up, Nick? Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. It's the business podcast you can actually apply. Today, I've got an awesome story for you. On the one hand, it's about matching your interests and skills with a hungry market. But maybe more importantly, it's about documenting your work in that market. And when you do those two things, like Craig Odom has, you start to see some fun results. I found Craig through the Side Hustle Nation Facebook group. He's a pastor in Tennessee, but as a side hustle, he sells plants out of his backyard. The backyard nursery does around 10 grand in sales every year, which is awesome. And where things get even more interesting is when you factor in his Savvy Dirt Farmer YouTube channel, which he started in early 2021. It just hit a million views and is starting to bring in some pretty significant revenue on its own. Stick around in this one to learn how Craig came up with his idea, how he grows and sells the plants, and what he's done to grow his work in public YouTube channel along the way. Ready? Let's do it. I've always enjoyed growing, uh, you know, things like a vegetable garden, squash, cucumbers, beans, that kind of thing. I just got to thinking about, you know, is there a way to turn that into extra money? And You know, I remember one Saturday several years ago, my wife and I went into Lowe's to get something on a Saturday morning. I'm sure it was in the spring. And their garden center had what seemed like hundreds of people, probably more like dozens of people. But it was so crowded out there and people had all of these plants. I actually saw a lady spend $900 buying blueberry plants at Lowe's. Wow. And I thought, my goodness, look at all the plants that are flying out of here. And I'm thinking, you know, I like to grow stuff. And I thought, you know, I've never put any thought into growing landscape plants, evergreens, flowers of any kind. Really don't know anything about them. That's not really anything I'd ever been interested in. But I I just started reading about it and just thought, maybe I could learn how to do this. And, And I spent just an inordinate amount of time Googling how to do it, reading everything I could find and trying to figure out how to get started. You know, it probably took me six months to ever actually pull the trigger on it to say, I'm going to give this a try because I didn't know what to do. So, you know, I got some pots and plants, started growing them. And, you know, that was probably late 2016 going into the winter and, you know, into the next spring off we went. So the research time was spent on like how to propagate plants, what type of things might be popular in your area? What what were you looking up? That was a chore enough of its own. I'm, you know, there's this whole world of plants, and and plants have odd names. And you know, so often they they go by their botanical names instead of their common names. So you're reading some list of plants somewhere. Hey, these are common in your area of the state, and I'm reading all these plant names, and I don't even know what they are. I don't know if these are you know, like an annual flower or if they are some sort of evergreen or if it's um, a shrub or if it's like a perennial flower or I I don't even know what most of the names of these plants are. And, you know, I'm kind of like, man, I'm never going to figure this out. But then I kind of learned to look around my neighborhood and see what people are growing and see what people have in their yards and see if I could learn how to identify what some of these plants are. And, you know, maybe there's 10 plants that seem to be really common that people have. And I tried to kind of figure out what those were and thought, surely these plants that are so common, if I tried to sell them, people would at least know what they are when I list them by name. Sure. So, you know, I kind of tried to familiarize myself because I didn't know anything about plants myself. So, you know, that was kind of the very first months of just trying to figure out some things that I thought maybe would work. I swear there's an app 
there's an app for everything, but like a plant identifier app where you can like hold your camera up to it and Google will tell you or whatever the yes. app is, will tell you what it is. Yes. I know those exist. I would, you know, I would not ever use those for, for a nursery, like labeling your plants correctly is a huge deal in the nursery world. Here's a, a hydrangea. Well, you can't just say here's a hydrangea that blooms red, you know, because there's 400 varieties of red blooming hydrangeas and, you know, probably 30 or 50 of the most common ones are probably under patent. So you can't legally propagate them, opening yourself up to a world of all kinds of potential problems there. So you got to know what you're dealing with and you can't guess. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. These plants are like trademarked and you said like somebody owns the patent to the seed. Many plants are both trademarked and patented. And those are two different things. And I've had to learn all about that. So, (laughs) you know, let's say that, let's say that a greenhouse somewhere, you know, a big commercial greenhouse has developed some fancy new cultivar of plant. They will apply for a patent for that plant. And when it's granted, it is protected for 20 years from the date that the patent is filed. Okay. And you can look all this information up and find it, but it's not easy. And you know, from this date, 20 years, that's how long that plant cannot legally be propagated. And there are plant police out there who check on this stuff. <laughs> I don't know if that's what they're called. I just know that's what they do. So it's like mystery shopping you. It's, Sir, where did you get this? <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So typically, if you go into a nursery somewhere, you know, your local garden center, your local mom and pop nursery or your big box stores, and you see plants in fancy looking pots, you know, that say Monrovia, that say proven winners, that say whatever on them, you know, there's a good chance that those plants are patented. It's not a guarantee. Usually you can find that information on the label of the plant, but it's just one of those things that you got to know. When you move into growing your own plants, you got to know what you're growing and you cannot guess. Interesting. I had no idea. That's fascinating. I had no idea when I got started either. And I started propagating patented plants and somebody told me about it. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm growing something illegal. So I didn't know, you know. From the most innocent, uh, you know, when people, I'm growing something illegal, I'm, my mind goes someplace totally else or somewhere else. Right. Yeah, you're you're not thinking about, hey, I took a cutting off of a plant in my neighbor's yard and stuck it in some water to root it. I'm doing something illegal. It's like, has anybody ever really thought of that? Well, you, you actually are, you know, so just it's one of those things that's part of the learning curve. All right. So for step one, looking around the neighborhood, looking for what's popular and using the super crowded Lowe's Garden Center as enough validation. Like, look, people are spending money here. There's, there's clearly a demand. And then saying, okay, what's popular? And then the next step, it, are you growing these from seed? Are you growing these from clippings? Like, I, I, We don't have to get too technical, but just kind of curious on the next step there. Everything that I propagate myself, and just for clarity, propagate means make more. <laughs> I do all of them from either cuttings or from divisions. And there are plants that you can literally dig them out of the ground or dig them out of a pot and break them into multiple pieces and basically turn one plant into two or five or 10 plants, just kind of depending on what plant and how it grows. So that's how I do all of mine. 
they will like reroute themselves and just start over. That's correct. And and certain plants, at least the way I do it, you can do that at a very high success rate and some plants, not such high success rates. Now, if you actually know what you're doing and you can climate control everything, you know, you're going to have a much greater success rate than I do. But, you know, probably my number one selling plant is hostas. Well, one of the reasons that I have fallen in love with these plants is because they are super, super easy to grow. You almost never kill them. They, they never die over winter. So when I have them left over at the end of the summer going into the fall, they just come right back to life beautifully the next spring with no worries. So that's the kind of plants that I'm looking for is something that is not fussy, that you know, a guy like me who doesn't know what he's doing can have success with. And that's been part of the learning curve too, because I've killed a lot of plants trying to learn how to overwinter and what's going to come back and what's not. So yeah, that's all part of it. Are the plants you're selling primarily outdoor plants or house plants? The only thing that I sell is outdoor plants. I don't, I don't even know how to deal with a single indoor plant. People occasionally ask me questions and my answer is the same every time as I'm sorry, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's a, I mean, that's a whole, a whole new market to tap into. And it is, and it's huge. Yeah, doing really well in that space. In yes. Fact, we've got an upcoming conversation with uh, Raphael Delalo, runs Ohio Tropics, a whole houseplant blog talking about how to take care of your plants, doing really well with that. And, and that's another thing, you know, if somebody is interested in plants or just think this type of thing sounds interesting, but they think they've got to have a huge backyard or whatever, well, think houseplants. You know, because yeah. it is a huge, huge market. I don't know anything about it, but it's a huge <laughs> market. I do know that. All right. So you like hostas. Uh, any other plants that you like? And it probably varies by climate and everything. I've got about four or five that are really kind of the core of what I do. And it's hostas. It's hydrangeas. It's two different varieties of what I call screening trees, like evergreen screening trees where people buy a bunch of them and plant them in a row. You know, they make a privacy screen between them and their neighbor or, you know, to define a property line or to make a windbreak or something like that. A couple of different varieties of arborvitas is what those are called. I sell a lot of blackberries, which is a plant that's real easy to propagate. And, you know, people are always looking for some edible, you know, if somebody's listening to this and I could encourage them to become a blueberry grower, you can sell as many blueberry plants as you can grow. I have not had great luck propagating them. I've tried. I've had a few that worked out, but I have, you know, bought in a few baby blueberry plants and grown them out. And as soon as I sell them, as many as I have, they are gone. I mean, I mean, it's unbelievable how fast people want to buy edible plants. I can't grow everything in my space. So, you know, I, I'm limited on what I can do. But the next thing I would love to master would be something like blueberries. That's for sure. Yeah, that'd be cool. We are, we're about a year into uh, this new house. And so we're learning all about, you know, what plants come and go. Like, is this a weed? What, you know, this it just came with the place. But the backyard did come with one blueberry plant, and they're starting to turn. And we're like, oh, oh baby, we're coming up. We're going to have, a, you know, maybe salvage a, a pint of blueberries or something by the time this whole season is ended. But it just thrills people to get anything off of something that they grew. You know, totally. I mean, and it doesn't matter if it's, you know, like you're saying, a pint, a handful, a quart, a gallon, a bushel, a truckload, whatever it is. People love to grow some of their own food. So, I mean, there's a huge appeal out there for that. 
Yes. Farm to table, for sure. Farm to mouth, <laughs> backyard to mouth. No matter how small the farm. So yes. Thanks for sharing some of those bestsellers. And of course, you know, it's going to vary by what grows in your area, you know, look around, pay attention, all that stuff. What happens next? So now we're spring 2017. Hey, I've got a handful of these things. I don't know how many we're talking. Like what happens to make that first sale? We had some friends that were doing a yard sale fundraiser for cancer research, and they asked if they could have it at our house because we have a good location for a yard sale. We said, sure. Well, I had my very first plants that looked nice and were ready to sell, and this was probably in March or something like that. It was probably early spring of 2017, and I thought, well, I'm going to just stick some of these out in that yard sale and just see if anybody will buy them. And it was kind of embarrassing. You know, it's kind of like, I've never done this, and this is kind of dumb, and well, who knows? Maybe it'll work. And I think I had 10 of them, 15 of them, whatever it was. It was very few. And it was it was some of those arborvitas, you know, those screening trees. And I had posted them, you know, hey, we're having a yard sale. Here's a bunch of the junk we have. And I took a picture of those and it was one of the pictures. And one of the very first people that showed up that morning, they bought all of them. And person after person after person after person that day came up and said, hey, do you have any more of those little green trees? And you know, the first person who showed up or one of the first people who showed up that morning took all of them. And I'm just going, wow, I don't. But if I had 200 of them, I could have sold them all that morning. Wow. You know, and I'm just like, I can't even believe this is real. I didn't even try. I, all I did was put one picture in the middle of a yard sale ad that was for something else. You know, and it just kind of blew my mind that there would be anybody, let alone multiple people that showed up wanting them, you know, because people were saying, well, I'd buy 30 if you had them or, you know, because that's what people do with these things. So I was completely amazed, but it made me feel like, man, this might work. You know, if I can figure out what I'm doing, this might work. And, you know, a little ray of hope there that, you know, the idea could actually turn into something. So yeah, it was incredibly validating, just that one simple thing. What were you charging for those? Do you remember? $6. Okay. Just for a little bit more context, I sell most of my plants in what are called trade gallon size pots. And it's basically about two thirds of a gallon size pot. It's a standard size pot in the nursery world. And these plants would have been in the neighborhood of 16 inches tall, maybe 18 inches tall, you know, a foot, foot and a half tall, something like that. But very nice, very green, very full looking. And people just want them. And in fact, I didn't change my price. I'm selling almost all of my plants for $7 each now. And I didn't change that until this spring. So I've been at $6 since I started until this spring. And now I'm at seven. I probably could get more for them. Nobody ever. And I mean, I don't, I can't think of a single time anybody has ever complained about my prices, but you know, I do really well with them and I just want to keep these plants moving out of here and I don't want to hold on them any onto them any longer than I have to. So, you know, $7 is, it's a pretty sweet spot for me right now. So I'm going to stick with it. And moving quite a bit of volume then it sounds like. Well, for, for what little nursery size I have to me, it, it seems like a lot of plants moving out to me. Yeah. What, just to give people a sense and they can go check out the savvy dirt farmer on YouTube and he's got, you know, filming videos in the backyard, like a decent sized lot, but not a farm with like acres and acres of land by any means. Yeah. I mean, I, I work in about 1500 square feet and I've actually made some effort to measure it off before just for my own curiosity to see how much of my backyard is actually devoted to the nursery, but it's about 1500 square feet. You know, it might be 
seventeen or eighteen hundred, and it, it, but it's definitely not even two thousand. So, yeah, it's that's what I have to work with. Okay, not uh, not huge by certain standards, but not you know not just a patio, which is what we had at our old place, which would have been pretty challenging. That's correct. But here here's the thing. I you know I did a video maybe back in the late winter, early spring, and it was it was something like. You know, if you have 100 square feet to work with, what's 100 square feet worth? Okay. You know, and and I kind of set up pots and kind just to kind of give an idea of here's what you here's what you can make if your nursery was literally the size of a patio, how much you might, you know, just to give an idea. And I laid out, you know, the different scenarios with pots just to show, you know, you don't need a thousand or two thousand or ten thousand square feet. How about a patio? And it's been a really popular video too. Yeah, you could go vertical, like build some sort of like lattice system. Yeah, that makes sense. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you, whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Okay, so growing season, you're building this stuff, you blow it out at the at the friend's yard sale for six bucks a piece. All right. So what happens, like, do you have, you know, a storefront that you sell these through? Do you do delivery, online orders, Facebook marketplace? Like, how are people finding you? Okay, so if somebody listening to this is looking for the new insightful silver bullet, great way to sell plants, then you need to mute this and not listen to what I'm about to say because there's nothing new here. So the way that I sell most of the plants, or I'd say at least half of the plants, are through what I call a driveway plant sale. And I just bring a bunch of my plants around that are ready to sell that look nice. I put them in my driveway and it looks like a plant sale yard sale. And I put 
an announcement for it on Facebook Marketplace, and then probably six to 10 local buy and sell groups in my county and in adjacent counties to me. And all my advertising that I do is free. I don't pay anything. Uh, I don't do any paid ads okay, or anything like that. And besides that, I sell, you know, just for example, I will have five hydrangeas that look nice. I will post them and I'll say, you know, hydrangeas for sale, only five available, you know, contact me if interested for address and pickup time. And then I just schedule appointments and got that process dialed in and kind of really figured out how to sell a lot of product through appointments. And I mean, and I do mean a lot, like probably a thousand plants sold alone that way this season in 2022. Okay. So kind of one-on-one. One-on-one versus the bulk, uh, you know, come by the driveway plant sale thing. Sure, that's correct. So I do it both of those ways. And I usually have about three of those driveway type sales in the spring, but it just gets into that situation, you know, where I just don't want to generate too much traffic in my neighborhood where people are complaining about what I'm doing. It's like, I just, I don't need more visibility than I have. So (laughs) You know, if I were in a different place, obviously I would want more visibility, more traffic, more customers, more everything. But, you know, my size and my space is what it is, and I can only take so much. It sounds like similar to people hosting a a yard sale, garage sale, like, hey, you know, I can advertise that. And like, I'm just doing it only for plants. And so that seems acceptable to the neighborhood. And another thing that, you know, we learned last year, and we just learned this last year because my YouTube channel has only been around for a year, is that. I'm learning that my YouTube viewers are becoming customers. Now, I'm not there yet, but that that is a that's an untapped market for me for sure. I mean, people email me all the time. I mean, all the time wanting to know, you know, can I ship them some plants to get started with or can I do, you know, that kind of thing. And you know, that that always makes me go, "Huh, I wonder what can we do with this in the space that we have." So, one thing that we tried last December, uh, once, you know, once we'd had a hard freeze and everything in our yard has gone dormant, I have a couple of huge dappled willows, which is just a big billowy kind of shrub that are just planted in my yard. And, you know, the way that you propagate those, it's like the easiest plant in the world to propagate. You literally just take six, six inch cuttings and stab them down into the ground and they grow. And you're talking 95% success rate just and and do nothing to them. So I sold those. I offered those for sale on our YouTube page for 50 cents each. And I wanted people to buy a minimum of 20 of them, you know, just to make it worthwhile to cut them and ship them. And we sold 500 and something cuttings doing that. So we made about $250 off of doing that in about four to five hours of total work. And I didn't know how many cuttings it was going to be because we just cut them as people ordered them. And, you know, we could have done twice that many easily. And now, you know, my channel is more than doubled in size since then, doubled in, in subscribers and viewers since then. And now I'm going, man, we'll be able to sell, you know, a thousand of these easily this December and we will. So we're going to do that again this year. So interesting. it's like, okay, so we've got the people here in my local area who come to buy plants. So what about this other market where now the world is watching? What can we do with that? And logistically, those are much easier to ship. They don't have to be like upright, don't have to worry about the That's pot right. tipping over or like the plant breaking in transit or anything like that. A hardwood cutting in the winter is nothing more than a six inch stick. I mean, it's literally a stick and there's nothing to break. You know, if, if the mail is slow, shipping is slow, they're fine. They can go, you know, a couple of weeks at least, 
you know, I, I we package them in such a way to keep one end of them, the end that's going to go in the ground. We keep that in moist so it's not going to dry out and, you know, pretty easy thing to do. In fact, I, I let my kids have that as their project. And at the time, uh, no, they were 14 and 11 at that time. So the two of them were the ones who made the money off of that project. Okay. Interesting. Now I'm looking around like out the window, like, oh shoot, what can I, what can I propagate? Not that I have an audience <laughs> of people interested in, you know, play, but it's like, oh, make shoot, sure you would, know what it is. <laughs> would this clipping be worth money? Is this clipping patented? It, it could be. It could be. Yeah. All right. Well, very, very good. So that's another uh, new revenue stream. And I know the YouTube channel is another revenue stream yes. as well. And I want to talk about this idea of working in public. So on the one hand, hey, I'm having some success growing and selling these plants. But on the other hand, I've opened up this whole new world to myself by filming myself growing and selling those plants. That's correct. And uh, being on camera, not really uh, not really a comfortable thing to me. I mean, I, I've gotten used to it, of course, but that is not something I've ever done a whole lot of. So, you know, if you watch my earlier videos, they're awful. Uh, they look terrible. They sound terrible. The content's terrible. Um, I look like <laughs> a mannequin, you know, just very stiff, very rigid. Can't really think of what I'm going to say. Didn't edit much of anything at all. I just posted them. And just over time, I've gotten a little bit more comfortable with that. I don't think I'm ever going to be a guy who's great on camera, who has, you know, the most um, uh, cutting edge editing stuff. I, that's just really not who I am. I can improve on that a ton. In fact, I'm learning more about that all the time. But that, Well, that gives us hope, right? Because you don't have to be like this, like super, uh, you know, personality with all the latest edits and, you know, flashy cameras and stuff. I think side hustle people tend to be kind of scrappers and tend to be kind of kind of a make do kind of bunch of people. And, you know, my entire YouTube channel until one month ago has never been videoed with anything but an iPhone SE. And after about my first two months, I bought a, a, a wireless Rode microphone and that's it. That's all I've ever used. And. Now, you know, we feel like we've moved into the 21st century because we bought a GoPro. Oh, now you're getting fancy. You know, that's right. And now now it's kind of like we don't even know how to use this thing. And we're trying to figure that out. So, like, we actually have actual B-roll footage in a video for the first time ever last week or two weeks ago or whatever it was. And we're just learning how to do all this. And, you know, you don't need fancy equipment. You certainly don't need expensive equipment. You don't need... Uh, expensive lighting. You don't need a college degree in video production. You need a phone and a willingness to press that red circle. And that's it. And you can start making videos. Do you remember what some of those early videos were about, or maybe one of the first that, you know, kind of started to to pop and get some views for you? I remember the first video that started getting views was um, I went and walked around my neighborhood because I know some people who have green giant arborvitas, which is a really popular tree that I sell. And I went and videoed, like stood in people's yards and videoed their trees and just talked about them a little bit. And it is, if I go, and now, I mean, that view has had, I mean, I think that video has had 30 or 50,000 views or something. I mean, it's a, it's a good number of views and it's horrible. I mean, it's a horrible video. And I mean, it's nine or 10 minutes long and it should be four minutes long. It's got so much dead time in it, but that video was one of the first ones that started getting views. And, you know, the one that really took off that it actually got my channel monetized was a video on propagating hydrangeas. So, yeah, that one took off last July. And, 
you know, it, it made my first mon- my very first paycheck. I think that I ever got from YouTube was like $700. I couldn't believe Whoa. it. Whoa. Right. I, I couldn't believe it. And it was because of that video. I mean, it, the algorithm picked it up and it promoted it and people watched it. And I didn't even, I mean, I didn't even really know that could happen. That might sound kind of clueless and dumb, but that's kind of where I was in the process. I just, I didn't really know. And I thought, and I told my wife, I said, hey, you're not going to believe this, but I think we're going to make money from this channel. Yeah, 700 bucks. In a month. In the first monetized month. She was like, what do you mean? I said, I don't know. Let me just show you what's happened. You know, so ever since then, she and I have both taken it a lot more seriously and tried to produce better content and paid a little bit closer attention to what we're actually doing. And, you know, when you're recording, you know, crazy things like don't put your finger in front of the lens and, you know, things like that. So basic stuff. Yeah, (laughs) right. We're actually trying to pay attention to some of that kind of thing now. But yeah, I mean, that's those were some of the first couple that did well anyway, to answer your question. Yeah, that's outstanding. And that's really encouraging to keep going. Do you have a sense of how many videos? It's, I mean, you're only six months into the channel at that point. So it's not like, you know, a crazy length of time. Some people might have to wait longer to get monetized. But, you know, to find something, put yourself out there, find something that hits and all of a sudden start getting these uh, ad checks. Yeah. And like, I don't, I don't know why my channel did well. I mean, I know in the grand scheme of things, it's a small channel and it's not a big deal and all of that, but there are so many people who start YouTube channels that can't get any traction at all. And, you know, that's been an interesting thing to me because I didn't really study anything about YouTube. And I mean, literally, I'm just a guy sticking a camera in my face and start talking about plants and selling them. I mean, what's your strategy just to tell people what I'm doing? That's it. No bells and whistles, no tricks, no hooks, just... I'm a guy in my backyard. <laughs> I'm a middle, middle-aged guy in my backyard with an iPhone, and I'm going to show you all what I'm doing. And I think that's why it appeals to people, because it's like, oh, here, I, if he's doing it, I could do it, right? I think that's you know, maybe what it taps into. Well, I, I think that is kind of an unintentional part of the appeal, is that I don't make any effort whatsoever to make what I do look like it's more than it is. It's just... It's a very small area. It's a small nursery. It's a relatively small amount of plants. I can't answer all of your questions, but I do know about the plants that I have. So, you know, people ask me questions all the time. And if I don't know, I just tell them I don't know. I don't ever try to make stuff up. I don't ever try to sound like a know-it-all. I just try to be exactly who I am and no more or less than that. So, you know, that's kind of what I do. And apparently there's some appeal to that to some people. Yeah, I'm here. How to how to propagate hydrangeas like a pro? Hundred eleven thousand views. Simple hosta multiplication. How to propagate large numbers of hostas? Hundred eighty four thousand views. That's the most popular one. It says now. Yeah, that's number one, and that one actually, I think maybe in maybe just in June or July this year, that video by far I think became my most watched video. I mean, just in the last couple of months. Yeah, and. You know, I, I, I don't know the exact timing, but in the last two or three months, I mean, I've gained, you know, 8,000 subscribers in the last couple of months. And that's a lot when my total is, you know, 19,000, whatever it is right now. Right. So, you know, it's, it's at least increased by a third in the last two months because of that video alone. Do you have a rule of thumb for how often you're publishing 
a new video? My goal right now is to publish one every Friday, and I have pretty well stuck to that. And I've got one going tomorrow, and I think it's going to be a good one. That's that's the kind of the game we play. Like you know, we're going to post it. We're going to go, okay, is this going to be a good one or not? And good to me, kind of average to good, mean it means it has thousand views by the end of the second day. You know, so uh, I published one just a few weeks ago, maybe five, six weeks ago. And it was, you know, eight reasons why growing plants is the best side hustle ever. Yeah, I definitely watched that one. That one started out pretty hot. And I think long term that that one's going to do really well. And that's the thing about YouTube is just at any time they could pick up one of your videos, even an old one, you know, and start pushing it and, you know, start promoting it. So it's not, hey, I published it today and it got hot tomorrow and, hey, it's going to be great. Most of the time it doesn't work that way. So, you know, that that video on hostas, I did that one probably last April or May and it's done well all year, but it didn't really take off until two months ago. Well, it's been up for probably 14 months. Yeah, that's what's cool about YouTube in particular is that it's this evergreen content channel where you just kind of keep planting these little money seeds and over time i mean it's not a news channel it's not super timely stuff it's you know if it's relevant this year it's gonna be relevant next year hosta propagation that's timeless uh, green giant evergreen screening trees that's timeless uh, how to start a nursery that's timeless you know all of those are things that people are always looking for and also you know worth mentioning as a milestone we're about to hit twenty thousand subscribers we hit a million views yesterday and we posted our 100th video last week. So there's exactly 100 videos up right now. And I think tomorrow's 101. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful to see, okay, the level of content that you have put out there for these results and targeting, being intentional about it. Like, sure, targeting search intent and, you know, what are people looking for help with? And if I can create something. And I, I've got to imagine somebody had videos on these topics before too, and not letting that be the determining factor. Well, somebody else already covered this, so I'm not going to, right? I'm going to bring my own unique perspective on it and I'm going to put it out there. And, you know, sometimes good things are going to happen as a result. Well, here's something that's kind of interesting about that is I have watched, I mean, part of how I learned how to do my nursery is by watching YouTube. And I say part of it, I mean, 75% of it was by watching YouTube and seeing what other people are doing because there's so many great channels out there where people are doing things with plants, whether it's garden type channels where they're, you know, where they're just showcasing their own landscapes or if they're more nursery oriented. And I, and I do think that where that mine is a little bit unique in that there aren't a lot of channels, there are some, but there aren't a lot of channels that are very specifically oriented towards a nursery. So that's a little bit unique. But one thing that I've learned just from watching YouTube is that people, somebody somewhere is interested in watching almost anything. So, for example, I found these guys, and I'm, I'm sorry, I can't even think of their channel name. I would say it if I could. But there are quite a few YouTube channels of guys who just cut grass. Like, they just mow yards. And they video it and put it on YouTube. And they have millions and millions and millions of views on these videos. It's not that interesting. <laughs> it's like the time the time lapse videos of the lawnmower. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. Interesting's not the right word. It's not educational. I guess it's more entertaining than educational. I mean, there's a, of course there's a lots of reasons why people watch YouTube, but you know, you're not watching it to learn anything. It's just kind of like, oh, look, that guy's going back and forth on his mower and hey, that that lot looks a lot different than it did. That's pretty cool. But 
I think people are interested in watching almost anything. I mean, this is why you people have people that just vlog a day in their life and their life is boring, but yet people watch it. Oh my gosh. I just came across one these like eating channels. Have you heard of this? It was like uh, maybe people making in some cases millions of dollars just eating random foods on camera and not even like fear factor, like exotic type food, just you know, everyday stuff, just munching on camera. They're not not people who are trying to be outrageous and you know, just it's just people doing their normal stuff. And maybe one of the things that's been appealing too with my channel is if you can attach a money-making angle to what you're doing, that makes it more interesting, I think. Uh, you know, depending on what kind of videos you make and all of that. But I think that's what has helped with mine. It's not just nursery and plants. It's like very specific things about how much it costs to do this and how much you can make doing this and how much money it might expect you to take to get involved in this yourself and being very specific about it and just trying to let people know. And I, I don't know, maybe maybe that's part of it too. But I just think that somebody is interested in watching you do or say or whatever, almost anything. Maybe that's kind of why people are watching. The lawn mowing time-lapse reminds me of something because my uh, wife, Bryn, she's always taking these time-lapse videos of uh-huh. the kids building Legos. And they're actually kind of entertaining to watch. You see like this whole thing uh, go up and you see the snacks like disappear from his plate as he's like building this whole thing in like 30 seconds. That's great. Dude, I think this would be a YouTube hit. I don't know. I'm telling you, somebody would watch it and you just never know when you're going to post the video that that algorithm's going to pick up and they're going to pump it out. And then the next thing you know, it's got 2 million views and you're going, what happened? You just, you never know. You never know. A hundred videos at this point. How are you coming up with topic ideas? Have you hit the main keywords that you wanted to target? What's, you know, what's the future content calendar look like? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's, um, it's one that I don't exactly know the answer to because it's funny. My wife and I were out in the backyard the other day and we're just kind of standing there looking around talking about, Hey, we need to pull these weeds and Hey, we need to get some more shade over there and just, you know, kind of the monotonous talk of nursery speak. But I said, can you believe that we made 100 videos in this little bitty space right here about these plants? Like, it's unbelievable that that much has happened in that backyard, that we have cranked out a hundred videos that people have watched over 5 million minutes of. Yeah. And that's what we were talking about is, you know, what, what do we do next? And, you know, a lot of my ideas come from viewers asking questions. And uh, in fact, I got a great question, an email a guy emailed me yesterday, a great question. It's kind of a great set of questions that all go together. And I'm like, next video idea right there. You know, well, that's probably two or three weeks down the road, but that's going to be the next one. So, you know, we don't have some kind of calendar where we know what we're going to be doing for the next eight weeks of videos or anything like that. It's just kind of like, hey, do we have anything for next week? Okay, well, we better get on it. And then it's just, we'll try to scratch something together. And sometimes it's a good idea. And sometimes it's just, hey, it's kind of time to post. So we're going to put something up and we, you know, we try not to put anything up that we know is going to be a dud, but sometimes it just happens. But do you think that consistency is important to have something come out every Friday? It seems like it is. There's always a big spike in views. The first two or three hours that it posts will be the most viewed hours of that video. And so we we try to be consistent with that. You know, there are people, people on YouTube, some that have been really helpful to me, uh, who actually teach you how to be a YouTuber. And, you know, a lot of them teach, hey, if your video is not good, 
it's more important to post something that's good than to just post something. So, you know, for, and I think that's probably true, but I don't really follow that advice. So uh, to us, the consistency thing seems to be important, but the flip side of that is you don't need really just to post something, even though we're probably guilty of doing that. So we do try to post something that we think is going to be useful to somebody. The videos that people seem to click on the most have something to do with propagation. So people are always wanting to know how to propagate a hydrangea or a hosta or a green giant, you know, some of those things that we do. And things that specifically have something to do with the nursery business. So our, our video that's going up tomorrow, it's it's basically how to start a nursery with plants you bought from Lowe's. I could be wrong, but I won't be surprised to see if that's you know, in our analytics, if that's one of our top two or three videos of recent videos, I think people are going to want to click on it. You know, I could be wrong. It could wind up being nine or 10, you yeah. know, <laughs> just <laughs> just double check that they're not patented plants. That's right. And that's part of what I said. That's part of what I talk about in it. Do not buy patented plants, you know, and the labels will tell you. So that seems to be what people want to know, though. Nursery business and plant propagation. It's th- those would be, I think, the two most obvious areas. Yeah, I don't know if you listened to this episode, but we had Nate Dodson on, and it's a similar business where he was growing and selling microgreens. And so he started his YouTube business very much from the business angle, like over-the-shoulder video, here's how I grow and sell my microgreens. You know, here's your beginner's guide. And then, you know, what really took off is like, okay, I'm making okay money selling the microgreens, made way more money teaching people how to start the microgreens business. And so is that coming down the road for you? Like, you know, you, you got all these people paying attention to you. They are building that no like, and trust factor, watching millions of minutes of you guys in your backyard. Do you see that coming down the road or is that already in the works? Well, we think that going forward, that that is definitely at least part of the future. It's like, okay, so we've got the plants and, and, and there's only so much we can do with the plants because we are constrained by space, location, etc. I think there's more that we can do with it. It's just... You know, how how devoted to that are we going to be? How necessary is that for us? It, you know, we do have other things to do in life, of course. Uh, it's called a side hustle for a reason. <laughs> but that being said, recently, uh, in the last, I'd say, six to eight weeks, maybe three months, you know, we've been getting a lot of in- a lot of interest, a lot of contacts from people potentially sponsoring videos. We've gotten two or three of those that we've already done. Uh, so you just you see how strong the revenue side from YouTube can be, and certainly not just about AdSense. You know about what YouTube is actually paying you. It's how can you monetize your viewers beyond you know ads on your videos, and you know is it through selling cuttings? Is it through going for a more wholesale direction where you become a supplier to these new nursery people, like aspiring new nursery people? Could it be that, you know, you could become the go-to guy for giving them or selling them their first plant starts? Yeah. Or their buckets or their fertilizer. I mean, there's a, yeah, the whole physical product realm. Yeah. Any or all of those things are kind of, you know, in our minds, just kind of thinking going forward, you know, at what point do we start providing that type of service versus continuing what we're doing now. Because what we're doing now is working and we're happy with it. We're content with it. So there's a lot of options on what we might be able to do. And it's not, I'm not going to say that it's clear today, but, you know, really today we're trying to get our plants to survive a brutal heat wave that we're having. So, you know, if we can get through the next two months, we're going to be happy if our plants are still alive at the end of August. So, 
<laughs> you can have something to sell next season. Yeah, that's right. So it's kind of like you have an, an an immediate thing to take care of, you know, as well as what are we going to be doing this time, you know, in six months and next year and five years. So there's both of those things in view. Well, there's that video if you haven't already made it is how to make you how to help your plants survive the heat wave. Yeah, and we've touched that. We've touched on that in some videos, but it might be time to just make a you know devote a whole video to just that. Yeah. So $700, that first AdSense check from YouTube, are you comfortable sharing what a typical month looks like today? Well, it, the thing is, it's really all over the place. The video, I mean, it is so up and down and, you know, eventually I'm going to make a, you know, how, how much YouTube paid us in a year and go month by month through it. But our first month, that was, uh, it was a huge month, but it immediately tailed off. But what happened in that first month was when that first month that it took off, it built our subscriber base up to at least, I don't know, 5,000 or something. I don't know exactly. But well, what that meant was is that our baseline came way up. So at that point, everything that we published, it was getting, you know, a certain number of views that was way higher than it had been before we had that big spike. So through the following months, you know, I think that first month was maybe 700 and then August was maybe 500. And then we had all the way through the end of the year, we were maybe in the threes and maybe even like $250 a month, somewhere in there. And then into January and February, it, it started slowly ticking up. In fact, there's kind of a, you know, if you look at the analytics on it, there's kind of a slowly rising curve. And then as the weather starts to warm up and people are looking for a lot more information about nurseries and plants and all of that, yeah, it really, really took off. I think the, the biggest month we had was about 25 or 2,700 we made. I think it was, I think we got paid that in June. So that would have been for May. Wow. So it lags one month, just the way that YouTube pays. But anyway, but yeah, I mean, every month, April, May, June, and July, they've all, they've all been in that range. Not, not as high as 2,500, but 1,500, 1,800, 1,300 in that range since, you know, since really spring, maybe even starting in March, it really started ticking up in March this year. So now if you look at the analytics now, everything's tailing off, but I'm hoping that it levels off around a thousand dollars a month going into the fall. It looks like that's kind of where it's headed. You really can't tell yet. And you never know when the next video is going to spike. But if that bottom would be in that thousand dollar a month range right now, we'd be really, really happy about that. That's so cool. I don't know. I don't know if it feels the same way. I feel like YouTube is almost like bonus money for me, I guess just because you've know, got so much other stuff going on. But, you know, I've been in the thousand dollar a month range from AdSense for the last couple months. And that's like, it's some of the favorite, like I just, for whatever reason, and maybe it's, I'm sure the engineers have like built this into the app, but like I'm addicted to like hitting refresh on it and seeing like, oh, how'd the, how's the latest video doing? Did it go Oh, up? it's ter- That is terrible. That is like the YouTube curse. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I don't know what all YouTubers do. I just know what I do. And yeah, like looking at those analytics, I mean, it will drive you crazy and it will give you elation beyond what you thought you could have. Because, like, you know, you see a video start to spike and it's got 2,000 more views today than it had yesterday. And you start going, man, it may go to a million. Well, tomorrow it may have 11 views. 
You never know. You know, it's, and, it's and, and you know, your your big inflated sense of what you think is going to happen can be popped just as quickly as it inflated. So, you know, some sense of being able to level out your emotions in that and to find some kind of even kill to run on is pretty important. You're going to go crazy watching that stuff. Yeah. And that's almost why it has to be considered bonus money in a sense where it's like at, you can't necessarily bank on this unless you're at a much higher level. That's right. Yeah, unless you're at, you know, you you would have to be at a much, much, much higher level of subscribers and viewers than I am to be able to survive the ups and downs. I mean, without absolutely pulling your hair out month to month. I mean, because it's so unpredictable, you know, either that or just have a massive pile of cash that you're sitting on that kind of gets you through the bad months, you know, something like that. But well, especially for a seasonal business like this. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that now that we've been at this for a little bit over a year, year and a half, it it looks like that's what our YouTube is going to be. I mean, again, you never know for sure when or what is going to take off, but it looks like we're going to have this big spike in the spring that's going to last for three or four months and it's going to tail off and plateau until the next spring. At least that's what's happened our first year and a half in. Right. I do anything on the affiliate side of things like, hey, these are the products that I recommend. Here's my affiliate link. Go check it out. I have some Amazon affiliate links that are in the bottom, uh, in the description of all of my videos. We don't do a ton with that. I mean, we, we make 60 or $80 a month on those. And I have a an affiliate with Bootstrap Farmer, which is just a, a business that supplies nursery products. They're really, really good to work with as far as customer service goes. So, you know, I encourage people to check those links out. That's an affiliate. It's like a, it's through ShareASale and it's like a 10% affiliate. So it's, you know, it's, it's pretty good. Um, okay. And, and we do a little bit with that. We, let's see, I think that's it. Yeah. That's it on affiliates. Okay. And then the sponsored videos, the future, you know, opportunities down physical products, digital products, as the channel continues to grow, those rates will continue to go up. So I'm excited for you there, Craig. Again, Savvy Dirt Farmer, you can check him out on YouTube. You mentioned uh, getting through the heat wave. Uh, you mentioned some of the potential future projects, but what you got uh, going on these days? What are you excited about for the rest of this year? Right now, we have more plants in our backyard for next year than we've ever had, probably by an order of magnitude, truth be known. Um, when potting season comes up next spring, I usually start potting all these things in about February, just depending on the weather. Because they're in small pots right now. They're in like three and a half inch pots mostly, which is just kind of a small pot for growing them out. I will have no space to put all these plants next season. So I don't really know how I'm going to manage that. But, you know, the goal right now is to keep all of those plants alive through this heat wave. That The heat is terrible. I mean, it's obviously summer and it's always hot in the summer, but it's not always hot like this in the summer. So keeping all these things alive, um, I've got, you know, another hundred or so plants that I would love to sell this late summer going into fall. But, you know, unless we have a weather break, that's not that's just not going to happen. I mean, the ground around here is so hard, people can't even dig a hole to put a plant in the ground. So, you know, right now I'm just sitting on them and that's that's kind of part of the uncontrollable part of being a grower, I guess. Yeah, that's, um, what do they call it? Like the lost inventory or something in, in retail where it's like, well, here's the stuff that didn't didn't sell and you know, maybe it lasts another season. With With plants, you know, you can take some of those plants and just keep them for another year and put them in a bigger pot for next year and sell them for more. But, you know, at some point those start taking up too much room. So you kind of, 
have to figure out how to manage that. You know, do I want more bigger plants or more smaller plants? And there's a trade-off between, you know, the size and the price of the plant versus being able to sell a lot more of them that are smaller. Because, you know, you can sell probably a hundred $7 plants in small pots to five larger plants in three-gallon pots. So people, smaller plants are just easier to manage for people that don't have to dig such big holes. They can fill their car up with them. They can feel like they got a lot and they got, you know, like they got a lot of plants for their money. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, small plants are definitely the way to go, but they're not the only option. Yeah. Well, I am very excited for everything (laughs) that you built and and I'm glad I spotted your, your comments in the, in the group because it's really cool. Yeah. I appreciate that. A unique side hustle, one, you know, now 500 episodes deep, one we haven't talked about before. So very cool. And it's really cool. So again, uh, Savvy Dirt Farmer on YouTube, check him out over there. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Number one tip is you got to get moving. Whatever you want to get into as a side hustle, you need to study it. You need to learn about it. But don't study it until you think you have it perfected because you'll never get started. So you got to get moving. And, you know, the the analysis paralysis can be a real thing, especially if you're trying something that's new to you that you don't really know. You just have to get started. You got to get in, get your feet wet. Your best learning is going to happen there. Yeah, it's so true. I was guilty of this, you know, as recently as yesterday, like, you know, doing all this keyword research. It's like, oh, well, what's the competitiveness of this keyword? What's the search volume or traffic potential of this keyword? At a certain point, you just got to sit down and start writing the thing, you know? You know, that other stuff's important and it matters, but don't let all of this, the the minutia keep you from getting started. It's so true. Well, Craig, thanks again for joining me and we'll catch up with you soon. Yep, Nick. Thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Craig. A couple of takeaways that come to mind for me. Number one is looking for the intersection between your interests, and a hungry market. Craig already enjoyed gardening, growing plants, and he saw this almost mob-like demand for them at the local hardware store. So he says, well, okay, what can I grow that people are already buying? And then with a little self-education and a lot of patience and practice, he had a product that people couldn't wait to buy. And with his costs so low, he had really little to lose if somehow that demand didn't materialize. Plus, I imagine people are happier to buy from him than they are to buy from some big box retailer, just like we heard from Shannon Houchin in our recent episode about her roadside peach stands. That one is episode 514 in your podcast app. Scroll down, check that one out if you missed it. She talked about how you can make a thousand bucks in a weekend reselling produce. So back to Craig, though, it's about trying to pair up your interests, skills, curiosity with a product or service that you know people are already paying money for and then validating it in a low-risk way. So much easier to sell to a hungry crowd than trying to create demand for something that you know people don't know that they want yet. That's takeaway number one. Takeaway number two is show your work. I love this working in public side. I love the YouTube side of thing. I love the scale of that. I think the nursery side of the business uh, for Craig, it's awesome. No getting around that. But I'm getting echoes of Matt Boknock in this episode where we have a three-part series with Matt in the archives. He, uh, If you're not familiar, he started repairing motorcycles in his garage as a side hustle. But what was really interesting was he did the speculative work of creating YouTube videos about motorcycle repair content, a lot like Craig is doing here. Most uh, recently, Matt was on episode 484. If you want to scroll back, it was uh, at the start of 
2022. We did a, an update with him. Scroll back through the archives, check that one out at 484. But nobody was paying Matt to make those videos, just like nobody was paying Craig to make these Savvy Dirt Farmer videos in the early days. But over the long run, I am confident it's going to end up making a lot more money and be a lot more time leveraged than just selling the plants. Reminds me of the furniture flipping teacher. Somebody, an audience member pointed me out or pointed her out to me earlier, I want to say last year, where she was, you know, I want to say a kindergarten teacher in Kansas or someplace, flipping furniture as her side hustle, but documenting the work that went into it on her YouTube channel. And by the time that I discovered her, you know, she was making more from her YouTube channel than she was on the actual furniture. And I was just, you know, she built this huge audience. Really cool things happen when you're working in public. And when you're creating that kind of content, you get better at it over time. It opens up a lot of doors. In a way, that's why I still publish my quarterly progress reports. Number one, it's fun to share the behind the scenes stuff of what I'm working on. But number two, it's this element of working in public, you know, showing your work. It builds this like no like and trust factor. I just wish I'd started doing it in like 2004 when I first started with online business. But it doesn't have to be fancy, just has to get out the door, show your work. Really cool what Craig is doing there. Your side hustle nation win of the week comes from Mark in the UK. What I've been doing is um, some studies and a few surveys and website testing, some product testing, phone apps and whatnot. And I've made a reasonable amount of money. Um, it's definitely helped me over the last month to pay the bills. And I think this week I probably earned about £150, £60, £170. I've got that every week. That would be great. Anyway, sort has been going on. Prolific, brilliant, respondent, excellent. User interviews, thoroughly recommended. Testable minds and in Teddy Zoo. Anyone wishing to do a bit of uh, work at home, completing surveys, studies, website testing, product testing, etc. Can't speak high enough for uh, these programs here. So. so, yeah, thanks again, Nick. Much appreciate your help. Thanks for sharing that, Mark. We will link up those resources in the show notes for this episode at SideHustleNation.com slash plants. If you have a win to share, I'd love to hear it. It's easy. Just go to SideHustleNation.com slash wins to record your voicemail. Big thanks to Craig for sharing his insight. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're finding value in the show, the greatest compliment is to share it with a friend. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen, and I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.